Well, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast today. This is an unscripted episode with myself and my buddy Josh Kirchner, or Dialed In Hunter, as you may know him and have heard him on the podcast prior. Josh just finished recently a week-long high country mule deer hunt in Utah, and just personally was going to contact Josh and follow up and hear about the hunt since we're buddies and like sharing stories and thought, might as well hit record and make this happen. So here we are in the midst of September as this episode is released, and many of you either are hunting or will be soon, and I thought it would be fun just to kind of get on no agenda and tell a recent hunting story. So that's what we're doing today. Along the way, we do get into not only some good stories, but practical lessons learned, tips, techniques, tactics, all that good stuff. So if you want to hear about a high country archery mule deer hunt, keep tuning in. But before we do that, I wanted to remind you guys about the EXO experience that's going on right now in September of 2021 and throughout the fall. If you guys haven't yet, go check out the details at exomountaingear.com forward slash experience. But the short story is we want to hear more about your experiences this year with your hunts. And so you can enter into a great contest. This month in September, we're featuring prizes from our friends at Spartan Precision. You can have a chance to win one of their Pro Hunt bipods, their Davros head, their optics adapter, and that kit right there is some great stuff that I've personally used in the field and really enjoy. So once again, whether you want to enter now for a current September hunt or in the future later this fall, go check out all the details at exomountaingear.com forward slash experience. As always, guys, if you have anything for us and for the podcast directly, whether that's a question, your hunting story, or something like that, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. But right now, let's dive in and have this conversation with Josh Kirchner. Well, cool, man. We're... We're already recording, but we'll just, uh, this is going to be crazy, stupid, informal. And I just was like, I want to talk to Josh after the hunt. Might as well record it. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we'll just get into it. Cool. Um, so yeah, man, this, this, your Utah hunt, you did that. Was that last year or two years ago you went? Uh, that was two years ago. Okay. And then last year you were in Colorado for archery mule deer, right? Yep. Yep. Last year was in Colorado. That was a, you know, that's kind of funny, man. Like the first year I ever did it, um, was two years ago on that Utah hunt. And I actually had two mule deer tags that year. I had a Utah tag and a Colorado tag and both of them, both of those hunts were super fun. Like lots of deer, um, missed in Utah, uh, killed a deer in Colorado. And then, so the following year I you know, went back to Colorado in an adjacent unit, like adjacent to the point where like I shot my buck, like 300 yards from the border of the unit. So I was like, Oh man, it shouldn't be too bad over there. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I go back last year and didn't even see one, like just not even a spike in, in the unit that I had a tag for, I still saw the bachelor group of bucks that I was hunting the previous year, every single day. Cause I had to hike through that unit to get to where I was hunting. Mm. Um, so it was just like, man, what a kick in the pants. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> On the wrong like side of the fence here, dude, seriously, man. I was like, man, dude, I, like if I had the tag for that one, it's this hunt would be action packed, but it, it was not. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was kind of a bummer. So, so yeah, I was super pumped this year. Uh, good buddy, Eric of mine, he's never gone on a, on a, like a high country mule deer hunt ever. He's more of an elk guy. And, uh, I convinced him to, to come with me. And so we went back to that first spot I went to in Utah and just, it was awesome. You know, it was really great, um, to return there and bring him to where this kind of all started for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked it up actually. So, um, last summer, I think, yeah, I think it was last summer. So I guess the summer 2020, is this right? Yeah. We did the how to hunt mule deer series. Um, yep. yeah, yep. I think that's right. So, um, we did how to hunt mule deer series and some of that was very like practical tactical, but we had you as part of that and we just called it struggles and success. And so we talked about, uh, 
your journey because you know you've hunted deer a lot in Arizona, but getting into high country mm-hmm. in terms of like Utah, Colorado, what have you, as you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned there, you had some struggles and some success. Mm-hmm. And so we talked more about that background and context in the episode. And I just looked, it was 239. So if folks want to number one, hear more about that background. Uh, we kind of tell that story there. And then also just that how to hunt mule deer series. If you guys are hearing us talk about mule deer today and you're um, more interested in getting into strategies and tactics and whatever, we have a whole series of shows um, that should be right in that episode range of the two thirties to go check out. So yeah, man. Um, I think, you know, I don't know where to start in the whole premise of this podcast is me crazy and formal because it's quite literally you went on this hunt, we're buddies, we were trading texts. And I was like, I want to talk to Josh about the hunt and hear about it. Right. Just like you would with your buddies. And I was like, Oh, might as well hit record and do a podcast. So this is me extremely informal and maybe much less organized than call it our standard podcasts. It also doesn't help that we're literally right in the middle of hunting season and just doing everything (laughs) on the fly. And I'm like mentally exhausted of coming off of crazy time here. So yeah, um, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in the backcountry myself for sure. And Steve's <laughs> yeah. currently out chasing sheep, so I kind of hate him right now. Ah, oh, lucky dog, man. Lucky, no, man. I've been getting some in reach messages and stuff like that. So yeah, <sighs> stupid him. I'll hold down the fort while he's gone, though, and we'll take turns. That's good. Yeah. So, so yeah, with Eric, what were your? I guess let's start here. As you said, you're you've been on this Utah hunt prior. Um. Now you're taking Eric, who's all new to high country mule deer hunting. So maybe some of the conversations you had with Eric planning this hunt, talking about it, what were some of the things that stuck out to you or that questions that came from Eric's perspective? So like kind of relate this to guys listening to the podcast. Let's pretend you're taking them on this hunt for the first time. Like what are some of those talking points or things to think through that you had with Eric? Yeah. So, um, so Eric and I, Eric's a, a Arizona resident, just like me. Um, so we, we, uh, we hunt deer here a lot, you know, and the country in terms of topography is completely different from Utah or Colorado or anything like that. Um, we just, it's just not that big, you know, it's not, I mean, we have mountains, but like I kind of jokingly say, you know, places like Idaho and stuff, those are big boy mountains, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so for us, when we hunt deer here, um, quite often, man, there's not a deer that we can't get to in, in about 20 minutes, you know, it's just not, it's not that hard to get around. What do you mean by that? 20 minutes from like, you're just glassing and you can like cover that distance in 20 minutes or you're yeah. in huntable country tournaments from camp like no what do you mean? uh sorry sorry yeah should have should have should have uh, been more specific like so if we're if we glass up a deer uh more times than not like we can usually get to most things in about 20 minutes like it's not because it, gotcha. the country is just not that taxing mm-hmm. we have rough areas but it our i would say our roughest areas are kind of like mild country in these other states you know so uh because of that i was telling eric i'm like look uh you know eric eric is a is a large man um he's uh super in shape uh, but he's a big guy you know he's he's 200 plus pounds a lot of muscle and i was telling him i was like you know car you like you really need to work on your cardio for this um because that he and he knows this like this is an area where he's always kind of lacked in was, um, you know, we'd do training hikes and stuff before this hunt. That was one of the things that we, we did on a regular basis. And at the start, man, it sounded like he was dying coming up, coming up the trail. You know what I mean? Um, so that was one thing that we really worked on. And the other thing, uh, that I was telling them was, um, this is, this hunt is a very patient driven hunt. Like, because the country is so big, it calls for big time. So, and, and the reason being is like, so just, I mean, to jump ahead a bit, like most of our stocks, they were around five to six hours in Utah. 
a stock in Arizona, uh, like I said, like less than an hour, you know what I mean? Most of the time. So because of that, there's a lot of time that needs to be spent behind the glass. And, and so that was something different for Eric to have to deal with was like seeing something and like having to bed it down and then wait till it gets into its second bed. So, you know, it's really there because there's just like such a greater distance um, and uh, gnarliness of terrain between you and that deer most of the time. So, Mm -hmm. um, and Eric is no, uh, another thing, uh, like he's no stranger to living out of a backpack for like, a, for a week, you know, we do, he does a lot of backpack hunting here in Arizona. Um, but the elevation gain is quite different. So something that he, in the past, another thing he's struggled with a little bit is cramping. So, um, because of that, like he was really, really trying to pay attention to his hydration, um, like loading up a ton before like the day before we were going to head in uh doing like you know brand bcaa mixes and stuff and still man the hike in is you probably go like four or five miles and it's pretty moderate but then the last mile is like i think it's like two thousand feet you do um and he like he he started cramping up pretty bad on that like had to stop lay down stretch you know, and, uh, I think it's just cause he's a bigger guy and he takes a little more fuel, you know what I mean? Than, than somebody like myself, that's a little smaller. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, there's a lot we could hit on there. The idea of bigger country and distance and stalking, as you said, there's a, there's a bigger investment of time there, even if you decide you want to try a stock, right? Because you're yeah. not necessarily losing an hour of your day. You're potentially losing multiple hours or by the time, as you said, you're waiting for a deer to bed and maybe rebed and then start the stock later in the day. I mean, it could be a, your all your whole day is wrapped up in one stock potentially. Right. So, oh, yeah. and then just even thinking of, um, the importance of in that bigger country planning the stock, right. Because you're covering a bigger distance between your glassing point and where the deer is, it's easier potentially depending on terrain landmarks, whatever, but to get turned around to under or overestimate distance and that mm-hmm. whole piece of like, don't just sit there, glass, find a deer and think, okay, he's over there on that Ridge or under that tree or what have you, and not really pre-planning and looking at routes and looking at landmarks to help you guide in because you change your perspective, you get away from that glassing point and he was under quote unquote that tree. And now you can't find that tree, right? Like does that change in perspective or, uh, you know, and I'm not even crazy experienced there. Those are all things that come to mind for me because they're things that I know I would have to be aware of in that situation. Yeah. that, That was another new thing uh, for Eric was like, because like, because here at home, you know, there's just the distance between you and animal is usually not super intense. Um, you don't have to do things like, uh, connect, I call it connecting the dots. Like when you're glassing and say, okay, deer's bedded under this tree. Okay. So first I need to get to that, that bluff over there. And then from there, once I get there, then I need to get to that round timber patch that's out in the middle of nowhere right there. And then from there, I need to get to this grass line that's along this, this tree line over here. Like, so, so you kind of, you, so you don't get lost on the way. Cause it, cause it is like when you're far back and you're looking at everything from where you are, it looks really easy to be like, Oh yeah, I just got to do this. But then once you get over there, it like everything is completely different <laughs> and you like don't know where you are. So um, for for Eric, like that was that was kind of eye opening for him to be like, wow, I really need to like either take a photo with your cell phone. You know what I mean? From where from your glassing point to, to kind of point out like little landmarks or, I mean, even take notes in your phone about, okay, so you don't forget like, okay, I need to get to that burnt tree right there. And then I need to get a, onto the right side of this bush and look over the edge and the deer is going to be right there. Mm-hmm. That is all, I mean, 
it's all the same in the end, but like the, the, um, the magnitude of how important that is in that bigger country is just way higher in, in places like that than, than where we're from and doing what we're used to doing. Yeah. Yeah. The photo thing's cool. It made me think of something I've done in the past is take a photo. Um, and then sometimes I'll take a second photo and either like basically be pointing off in the distance at an object or what I've really come to like is on the iPhone, you can go into like what they call markup mode and edit a photo afterwards and basically draw on it. Mm-hmm. And so you can take a photo and maybe you have like this landscape or this ridge, but you almost forget like, okay, what was that photo for? What was I looking at? And so basically you can take the photo and then go in and draw on it. And like you circle, like you said, that timber patch or that opening or that clearing or that draw, that tree, whatever. And mm-hmm. like basically hit those points on your photo and highlight them and you can easily come back to that. And one thing that's cool is it can help you in the field. Yes. But I've also used that um, of like, okay, I see an animal here and I want to dissect maybe later why, or just kind of like go back to that and almost debrief or something. And you can go yeah. back to photos later when you're home. Um, and then just be like, okay, so, oh, that bear was here. Let me look at what's around it. Let me look at maybe what I would have done or it, what mm-hmm. its escape route was or what have you. So anyway, yeah. people haven't like, yeah, for sure. if you've taken photos and then later been like, oh, that wasn't helpful for, cause I forgot what I was looking for or what have you like consider that markup thing and almost writing on them or, you know, pointing those things out in the photo. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great idea, dude. Um, and then like another thing that he noticed from a distance was how deceiving it was. Um, like basically from far away, sometimes it looks like you can't walk on something because of how steep everything is. And it looks like you're looking at a wall almost. So that caused uh, Eric to not go on some stocks because he was like, oh man, I don't even think I can walk on that. But come to find out, like once you actually get over there, well, let me rephrase that. Once Josh gets over there <laughs> <laughs> and he and he watches me do this big loop, it's like, oh, actually you can walk on that. You know what I mean? So that was something that was kind of that was uh was kind of frustrating a little bit for him. Cause you know, there were some opportunities where like, you know, maybe he could have went, but he didn't because he talked himself out of it. Mm. Um, and it doesn't help. <laughs> you were like, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it also doesn't help. He has a slight fear of heights. Um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was something that was kind of a, kind of a roller coaster for him. Oh man. <laughs> That's funny, dude. <laughs> Yeah. How um so backing up to the start of this hunt, were you were you headed into the same area essentially that you hunted two years prior? Yeah, I was. My okay. plan though, so I wanted to go to the same exact camp spot. It's just like a I mean, it's the most posh backcountry camp I've ever had. And I thought I was like, this would be a great spot to not only like why so just like access to water and cover like what makes it so legit yeah just like yeah just like it's flat there's shade there's water right there you know it's just very convenient um rather than you know trying to do landscaping and oh i'm gonna pull this bush out of the ground so i can put my shelter here Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know stuff like that it's just really nice um so i was like man that'd be really fun like nostalgia wise for me to return there but also for Eric, I thought this would be like a perfect, you know, it's not that like, it's a grind to get there, but once you get there, like it's, it's pretty easy going as far as like living goes. Um, but the first year I was there, uh, I noticed where most of the pressure was of hunting pressure. So I've been looking at maps, like ever since then being like, oh man, and so instead of going over here, I'm going to try to focus on all these other areas that are, that are away from that. Um, and that was, so that was my kind of strategy going into this. Like we saw plenty of deer the first time we were there, but we saw quite a bit of people as well. Um, so <clears throat> normally what I do here in Arizona, which was also different for Eric to, uh, to experience was in Arizona, most of the time, like when we're hunting coos deer, um, 
I will most of the time sit at like one spot and a lot of times I won't move until like all day. And I'll just sit there and glass the same hill all day long. And there with coos deer, like you have to know that like, especially if you know the area, there are deer in front of you that you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's quite demeaning sometimes, but like, that is, that is the truth. Like they are there and you're just not, you're just not looking hard enough. And I've had people, I send people into areas time and time again. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, I mean, there was like maybe two, three deer in there. And I was like, let me come in there with you. And then I, I will go in there with you. And then now all of a sudden we see 20. So because of that, because of that strategy that we have here for coups, um, that's the strategy that I used the first time I was in Utah. And we don't get me wrong. We saw a good amount of deer. Um, but we were just seeing the same deer over and over again. And they were in a bad, they were all usually in bad spots to stock. So this time around, what I wanted to do was like, I'm going to be a little bit more mobile. So I'm going to like start out at like this spot here, right at first light. And if we don't see anything, we're going to, we're, we're going to move. We're going to go hike over to another basin and sit there for a couple hours. And if nothing there, we're going to hike to another basin and sit there for a couple hours. And as the day goes on, we'll start focusing more on shade and, and just, and just kind of plan it like that instead of sitting in one spot all day long. And that really, um, that really paid off actually. Um, and we, I think I only ran into one other hunter doing that. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. What do you going back to like spotting more deer, you know, part of that is patience, right? Like yeah. sometimes just putting in the time. Sometimes you do have to know when to move. Mm-hmm. Obviously you could talk about the gear aspect of that. Like some people just have better glass than others, but I think there's just, man, there's something that just, especially with glassing, you just can't replace experience, right? Like yeah. once you get not, especially sometimes it's species specific. Like once you get an eye for deer, once you get an eye for bear, once you get an eye for this type of country and cover and terrain, like you give the guy crappier glass with more experience and he's going to crush somebody, you know, who has yeah. the best glass and no experience. Like you feel that that's the case like just kind of getting an eye for stuff absolutely yeah because there's i think what happens a lot of times um is people are looking for a whole deer like standing out in the open and you know they'll find deer doing that you know what i mean but like i think the things that are more important to pay attention to with the guys that are like just deer spot and maniacs is they're seeing the little things so like things like texture uh certain color you know um obviously like like ear flickers and stuff like that like looking into these holes in the brush and like looking for like like uh this might be kind of hard to explain but if you're looking like into a bush you can kind of see like the pattern of the branches and if there's something that's different in there that breaks that pattern, then that's something to pay attention to. Right. Um, so just kind of like looking for the, uh, for the things that are not normal looking stuff like, uh, another thing is like horizontal lines. So like horizontal lines would represent like a back of a deer, right. Or, or, or any animal for that reason. Um, and once you like train yourself to do that, like, so on this hunt, especially like high country mule deer, the the mule deer are almost red. So like, once you like train yourself to look for that color, um, that color will stand out to you more in certain areas. And you'll, you'll start spotting more deer because you're just getting more keyed into what you're supposed to be looking for. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think what you said is absolutely true. Yeah. Mm. What do you, especially in this bigger country, um, you sit down at a glassing spot or you start the day, right? Like it's now the sun's coming up, you're able to start glassing. Basically, how do you transition between your strategy of like binos and spotter? Do you kind of do big picture stuff? Like while they're probably more feeding, I'm going to be using my binos or when the sun's just right and that reddish color is popping, I'm going to use my binos or do you rely more on a spotter? Like how does that look for you in different situations, maybe even different times of the day? 
I, I always, I live and die behind my binos. Um, and I use the spotter more as a situational thing. I like, um, right in the morning, particularly like I'm usually looking at a hillside that's going to light up from the sun, which means that the deer are going to also light up their fur, uh, which makes them pop more that, that kind of tends to be where most of the feed is on those sunny hillsides in the morning. Um, so I always start off out with binoculars and then like when I do find a deer or a bear or whatever it is I'm looking for, I'll grab my spotter and to, you know, get a closer look, see what we're actually looking at. Um, and then, um, as the day progresses, I, I will like peer into shaded areas with my spotting scope a lot more meticulously, but also what I like to do um, even if it's first thing in the morning, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll actually get a spotting scope out and like really like scan the terrain around the deer to see if I can to like find a stalking route. Uh, cause like, like we were saying before, like when you're looking from afar, like some of this stuff looks like it's a wall, but, uh, so finding like the right route to get down to where deer are can be, uh, kind of, kind of a headache. So having something like a spotting scope to, you know, and I'll, I'll run it on like the, the widest setting, um, just to get a closer look at that mountain to be like, Oh, actually there's a shelf right there and it's flat and I can walk on it. Sometimes you're not going to see that with binoculars. Um, so I think that's super helpful too. Yeah. Cool. So on the practical, like just diving into call it more of the story. It's so easy to dive off on like these, you know, tactics and stuff like that, which is fine. But like, yeah, man. how did the actual hunt start? Like you guys pack in, what, did that, what does that look like? Cause that's one thing I was gonna ask you earlier when I was asking if you were headed into the same area of, um, how deep were you guys essentially? Uh, camp was about six miles. Okay. And then we branched out to eight miles hunting. Uh, sometimes like we would start basically start our hunt like no i mean honestly not that far from camp we'd hike for probably 15 minutes sit down and start our hunt there and then just kind of we would end up about eight miles from the truck by the end of the day um if we went to like our furthest point uh like the basin the furthest basin we were hunting so um yeah man i'm pretty pretty smooth sailing on the way in you know like i said like that first first leg of it um both of us felt great eric was like i just he couldn't believe he hiked five miles already <laughs> i'm like yeah man yeah we just got to go up this last mile here and now it's going to get hard you know <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so we get up there and uh yeah like i said he started cramping up bad and and had to you know be slow going up there so he sent me up you know to to grab the camp um, that we wanted because we ran into some backpackers that were coming out. This is a pretty popular uh, spot for like um, backpackers and stuff. Um, and they were like, oh, yeah, nobody's there. They Like in the spot I wanted. So I was like, yes, you know, like <laughs> so we wanted to get up there quick and grab that. But um, yeah, he got up there and then, uh, you know, we we spotted deer right away, man. We, we got camp set, went over kind of a stone's throw away from camp and saw like turned up a small buck and then uh quite a few does actually um that was that that was kind of interesting for me because the first time i was there where i was seeing all these does there were bucks and this time they were all does in that spot so i don't know if that was because of um moisture or or what I, but that was that was something that was different um and then, uh, so we get up first morning back in there and probably five minutes into glassing, Eric spots a deer and it's a bachelor group of bucks and they're all really nice bucks. And they were, they started like working their way down into this cut and it was kind of going to be like this, like a situation like this is kind of like goes against the mold of this whole high country mule deer thing. Um, they were heading down into a cut where we couldn't get a view on really. Um, so I was like, well, I mean, you just, if you just bomb down this way and just, you know, jut out there on that flat and look down, they might be right beneath you. So Eric made a run after these deer <laughs> and, um, 
they ended up winding him. And so that was a, uh, that, that kind of sucked, but uh, he came back and then we, we moved, followed my plan, went to another basin glassed. Um, and then at about noon turned up a pretty nice looking uh, two point. Like it was like a, uh, he just didn't grow a third, third or fourth point. He was just a two point. Um, and he bed in a really good spot. And Eric and I made this, you know, giant loop around, drop down into this hell hole and uh, sneak up. And I, Eric was above me with a camera. It was pretty sweet. Um, and I sat there 35 yards above this buck for 45 minutes. And um, I was kind of worried, <laughs> like it was starting to get later in the day. So like, I'm like, eventually the thermals are going to switch. I'm just hoping that he stands up before that happens. And he didn't. And he winded me and didn't even look my direction, jumped up and just ran out of there. (laughs) How late was that when that the wind switched? Was it truly a thermal switch or was it more of like a current that came through? No, I think it was. I mean, it was a thermal, I think. um, I mean, just more and more shade was popping up where yeah. we were as, as time went on. And it was, it was like, I think it was around five 30 or something. It was, it was getting oh, okay. later yeah. in the day for sure. Um, Did you have any thoughts of forcing the issue, like trying to make him stand up before that point? No, I, I mean, I, well, I, I'd be lying if I said, I didn't think about throwing a rock. Over there <laughs> That's what I'm like... getting at. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's getting kind of late. Let's make this happen. Yeah. But, but I mean, they were, it, 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 it honestly kind of happened on a dime, you know, it, it, it was like, man, this, the wind, you know, everything's pretty good right now. It was good the whole time. And then just all of a sudden, bam, mm-hmm. it switched and he just jumped up and ran out of there. Um, I, <laughs> I thought about like trying to get him to stand up, but I was also like, I'm, I always try to like, um, I'd always like way rather them not know him there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then try to make them alert because then you kind of like you maybe you're shooting at an alert animal at that point yep. which then like ups the chances of them jumping the string and i so i've had that happen in the past too so i just tried to i'm just gonna sit there and play the patience game you know what i mean and it uh he winded us and got out of there so how long were yeah, you in that range big... at 35 yards what'd you say how long were you in that range hanging out uh, about four about 45 minutes okay you said that yeah, yeah sitting above them it was a perfect setup you know it was just and i would have absolutely tried to shoot him in his bed i just didn't have a shot like i I could see his antlers like moving in the brush but his body wasn't visible so Mm -hmm. um so yeah he he skedaddled and we you know took us about two and a half hours to get back to camp that night um and uh we were like heck yeah that was the first day you know like if we can do that every day, whether we kill a deer or not, I think that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, just opportunity. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, it just continued. Do you want me to just keep going or? Yeah, man, I'm digging. Yeah, it. Let, let's go. Uh, so next. Yeah, we get back to camp. Both of us are totally blasted. Um, and we get up the next morning and the same thing happens. See those deer on that on right there at that first glassing spot except this time i'm like we're gonna this time they didn't this was kind of interesting they didn't drop down into that cut they decided to bed right there on that hill that they were on that they were feeding on so i was like oh sweet you know this is like a great opportunity um to hopefully put a move on them later uh and we ended up watching this group of bucks for six hours and then they finally like plop down in their second bed. Um, and you can tell it's like, okay, they're going to be there for a long time. This was one of those situations where Eric was not going to go on the stock because of where they were. Um, so I was like, like you said, I'll do it. You know? So yeah. Hey, let me hit pause. Cause I thought of this earlier and then forgot to ask. Yeah. yeah. How were you guys? Do you have any sort of specific strategy of like, you spot the deer you wanted. It's your, like anytime you're hunting and, you know, together yeah. with a group, you both have tags. And we've talked about this a lot more in a context of elk hunting, but for you guys specifically on this trip, what, what did that look like for you too? Oh yeah. The, so like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we do. I mean, it's the fairest thing. Um, you know, whoever spots the buck gets first say, 
you know, yeah. like, and that, so that's how we, that's how we went about it. Um, Eric spotted these deer first, but, but he was like, you know what? I, I'm not comfortable going over there. You know, he's like, you're more than welcome. I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, that was a very short lived experience. We watched these deer for this buck, these bucks for like six hours. And then I'm like, sweet. They're in a great spot, you know, just like classic bedded up against the cliff type of situation um, could come over above them. And it was looking like, uh, so I was using my range finder. Uh, this is actually kind of cool. I'll like, I was using my range finder to range the deer and then to range like the cliff in back of them, like where I was going to be standing. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of, you can kind of estimate that, like how, how far of a shot you're going to have with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like looking like it's going to be about 40 yards. So, um, super pumped about that start making my loop around and a group of does caught me in a different timber patch um blew out of there and alerted the bucks so i didn't even get a good go at them (laughs) dang so that that's that sucked um so so we just you know uh pulled up our britches and and moved on went to another basin um i'm trying to think of what happened oh yeah that's uh, I remember that. Yeah. So we, <laughs> so we go, <laughs> you, don't, you don't sound excited about whatever is getting ready to come out of your mouth. You're I, like, oh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm I just trying that. to, I'm trying to remember exactly <laughs> what, what happened here. Um, so I'm pretty sure. So yeah, we go over to another basin and then end up summiting the, the highest peak in the area uh, somewhat out of my own. I'm like, I just want to say I've been up there, you know, um, mm-hmm. and we get up there and, Sure enough, uh, there's a couple bucks down beneath us. Um, something spooks them out. Um, and then two more bucks run up further away and they end up bedding in this grass, this, this grassy area. And it's again, like, it's like same situation. We're getting on a lot of these deer, uh, later in the day, which always brought up the concern of the whole thermal thing switching, you know, like later in the day like that, but it's like, well, that's the opportunity I have right there. Like, we're just going to make a go at it. Um, same situation, Eric, not comfortable going after these deer. Um, so I start scaling my way down to where they are, got to, uh, I think it was, right before they busted me i was within range of these deer like within like about 100 yards for i think like an hour and a half or something like that um but i just couldn't get closer from where i was and where they were man they were bedded in this stuff that was just like super noisy like it was super dry leaves um so making an approach was really difficult i'd have to like stand there and just wait for the wind to gust kind of and then move Mm. but um ended up getting like a hundred yards from these deer and then uh you know that like just like before winded me you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. and then got out of there and it was it was a shame because they were working their way towards me and uh so my thing i was like i'm just gonna wait for them to come i'd rather them come to me than me try to go to them you know so um 100 yards got winded doing that um a couple nice bucks so I get up out of there. That took me a while to get up out of there, meet Eric and, uh, head back to camp and, and, you know, same time, same station, do the same thing the next day. Uh, next day I spotted those deer, the same deer that we've been spotting every single morning. And, uh, they were going, but this time they were going down into that cut. So I'm like, okay, we're going to lose them. I might as well make a run at them. So I go run after him Arizona style. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, it worked out really well. I just, um, I was just li- a little too quick com- coming, coming up over this rise. Um, it was a doe caught me at 70 yards and the bucks were at 80. So man, if I would have, you know, and that's, Hey, I mean, it's, you know, that's bow hunting, you know what I mean? So stuff like that happens, but, um, yeah, they blew out of there. And then make my way back, move on to another basin, and then uh, 
trying to think. I think this is when the miss. Yeah, I ended up missing a deer actually. Getting my days mixed up here. Therapy time, Uh, Josh. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What led up to that shot opportunity? You got some tissues on you. Yeah, I I had a. A text from you at one point during this trip <laughs> where I could tell you're not in a good headspace after this, but I did. I haven't oh. heard the story, man. We're just catching up. Oh, dude, I wanted to throw up. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, this is, this is the, uh, to make a long story short on the whole hunt, we, we were on deer like every single day, got stalking opportunities every single day. And whether it was one thing or another, you know, something, you know, something happened, you know what I mean? Most of the days we got within bow range, but, um, you know, so, no, I, I know one evening Eric was on, Eric got to chase after a small bucket last light, got to 70 yards on him and then he busted him. Um, so we were, it was constant action. It, I mean, you couldn't ask for more, you know what I mean? But the last full day we're there, um, I spot this really nice four point bedded in a great spot and he gets up and moves out of sight. And we, so we can't see him. We're like waiting for him to come out this other end to try to get a look at him, see where he's going to go. Don't know where he's, where he's at. So I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to make this loop around and I'm going to try to get to a point where I could relocate him from up top. So I went around and did that and turned him up pretty quick. He just, rebed in a different spot and um still a great spot so i spot the deer i make my way around and i'm coming down the hill and uh come out come out look over this cliff and i see antlers down there you know coming up the hill he was just up feeding um a little bit and then he rebed he was at 65 yards and i sat above him for uh, it was over an hour, um, and just never had a shot at him when he was in his bed. Cause there's a big pine tree in between us and I couldn't get where I was. I was basically looking off of a cliff, looking down at him. Um, so in terms of like a stalking route, I couldn't get closer. Um, but I would definitely, I like, I would definitely be able to get down there. Like if I shot him and yeah. just like, I just would have given myself away if I went that way. You couldn't repel into a shooting position. I mean, if we're being honest, I probably could have. Yeah. We'll okay. Consider it for next time. I, I didn't. Yeah. Next time I'll have to bring my climbing ropes. <laughs> um, anyway. So like, uh, yeah, he finally gets up, walks out to the left. I'm like, here we go. You know, draw back. Um, he was, I had this bush ranged at 60 and he was like on the other side of it, kind of feeding, quartering to me just a little bit, his back end. Uh, so he's looking from right to left and his back end is lower on the hill. So I draw back, aim, the shot felt really good. And I just watched that arrow sail wide right over his over his hind quarter and into the dirt. And he ran off and I realized I was like, holy crap, I don't think I checked my bubble level. And so I, I grabbed another arrow just to kind of to try to uh, recreate the situation and see how it felt. Um, draw back, leveled my bubble, and it did not feel anything like how I shot. I Basically, what happened was I was super canted to the right when I shot. It, but it felt like it felt natural, like how the bow was sitting, but mm-hmm. I've heard like guys like Steve and other guys that, you know, hunt high country mule deer a lot. Like you have to like, can't your bow into the hill and it feels unnatural, but mm-hmm. that's, that's it level. And I didn't do that, man. And yeah, so that was, that was that dude. I just missed that buck. He ran out of my life and uh, like it was the biggest buck i've ever shot at too if that if that is uh so that made that hurt even more <laughs> yeah and uh yeah but you know the hey lesson learned you know what i mean that's bow hunting like it's just like a for me it's just like a good reminder that um like these little things they they matter a lot and uh to proof all this like when i got back to the trailhead we packed out the next day um 
And uh, I set up the target, you know what I mean? Shot my bow and it was dead on. It was absolutely me. You know, I, it was the bubble level that like it a hundred percent, like, and it's kind of, and it stings a bit. Like for somebody like I practice a lot, man. (laughs) And uh, for something that minute, you know, to be the difference between, you know, killing the, killing an awesome buck and, and just watching him run out of your life and miss goodness. That was a, that was a bit sour. Yeah. Doesn't help that it's like the end of the trip too, right? Like if that's day one and you're like, all right, like that still sucks. It still stings. It still hurts, but I got a lot more time left, you know, but it yep. happens at the end and you know, the clock's winding down. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, a, it was definitely a bittersweet uh, hike out of there for sure. You know, like one on one hand, um, we were just having such a good time. You know, like bringing Eric back in there, like in this spot that kind of like ignited a love for me of high country mule deer. That was really cool because I was seeing all these things uh, that I was somewhat familiar with through new eyes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember on my first trip in there, like when you're hiking and you come out of the trees and you see like the high country, it's, it's, it's alarming almost like, and you look at it and you're like, like for me, I looked at it and I was like, I seriously like wondered if I could physically hunt it. Cause I had never stepped foot into anything like that in my life. And that he had that same look on his face, man. Like I, 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 I was waiting for it. Like, mm-hmm. like we, we got out of the trees and I looked, I looked up and I pointed up to him. I'm like, check, check that out. And he looks over there and he's just like, just like this wave of intimidation you know like comes over like whoa you know what i mean like yeah we're going into mordor you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like so that was that was really sweet man and then uh just good you know good good times uh in camp too you know just good times backcountry living had good food um and a lot of laughs and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great hunt. It was just, I mean, it was a great hunt just flat out. We just didn't, didn't come out heavy. Yeah. What's, um, you know, thinking of the level and man, it's, it's easy to do. Like I'm not, you know, armchair quarterback in you by any means. I know how much mm-hmm. you practice and, and put all into it. And it's so easy to sit back later and go, you should have looked at your level. And I was like, yeah, I know that. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and it is like, I'm not even a high country archery mule deer guy, but having shot in that type of terrain quite a bit, or at least enough to like, to know how like deceiving that is. Right. Cause as you said, like, if you, if you get to full draw and you just kind of get comfortable or hold at what kind of feels right you're probably not level. Like it's, it feels awkward to have to can't and get level as much as you have to can't in that type of country. And you almost don't want to like trust your level at that point. But if you know, you've set up your bow, right. You have to trust it. It just, it feels weird. And so if you forget to take that step and like be really conscious to go against what feels quote unquote, right. Yeah. It's tough. So, but is that, I guess leading up to this, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about shot sequence, right? And mm-hmm. we've talked about how important that is yet at the same time, how you want to practice with a shot sequence enough that in the moment, hopefully you also don't have to necessarily be totally conscious, right? So, and some guys yeah. do, some guys don't, some guys go on autopilot yep. and you've practiced so much that you do all the right things and all the right steps. Like, Mm-hmm. You just execute because it's part of what you do. Some guys remain conscious and go through that mental checklist. And so I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong. I think different strokes for different folks. But what yep. does that look like for you? Like is the shot sequence, you know, yeah. How do, how do you look at that stuff? Yeah. So, dude, I, dude I, I'd be lying if I said, I, like, dude, on the way back from that stock, I was, I thought about that immediately. Like, I, I was like, goodness gracious, dude, like over and over again in my head, I was like, draw anchor level, aim, pull, draw anchor level, aim, pull like that, that right there, that's my sequence. Um, and 
I think because oftentimes, you know, I'll admit I go on autopilot a lot when I am in those situations. Um, My autopilot is not, it it does not run in unison with like steep country. Like just because we don't, I don't have that out here. That's not, that's, that's an excuse. Like I can, I can practice that stuff if I wanted to. And I think that was the issue was like, I was talking to Eric about this on the way home. I was like, man, dude, I need to like, I was like, we need to like head up North and bring some targets and like throw them down into canyons and stuff. Um, and, and really try to introduce that into my sequence and be, and like leveling is already in it, but it's not, like if you're a little canted on multi-level ground, you're not going to see a major difference mm-hmm. in, in your impact point. But if you do that on a slant, I mean, um, so I, I think that for me, like, I, yeah, I just got comfortable, I guess. Right. Like just got comfortable with, with my normal and introduce something different like that super steep country and it's it's uh it's a it's a new thing you know yeah so well you introduced um, that country and you introduced a giant freaking mule deer that you're at full draw on too like that's a, that's yes. a minor factor <laughs> that, that, that didn't help out at all yeah and um, like a week's worth of hunting it you know there's all kinds of things that go into it right yeah yeah and i've had i've had some shots like that before in the past here um but they just weren't like they just weren't uh, um, as steep and stuff because I definitely hunt like some bluff country when I'm hunting bears and stuff, and I've I've uh, shot bears like that off them before. But um, this was just different, you know. It's further. That was another thing, like 65 yards. Like it's not super far, but it is it is far, um, which means that you're going to be off even more on the level if you're not leveled right. Um, so yeah, yeah, man. I mean, not, don't really have an excuse. You know what I mean? It just, 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 uh, screwed up, you know, your only excuse is that you're not perfect, but I mean, that's all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it happens, you know, and, but, but like the good thing is how I look at it is like, you know, cause I'm fairly new into my like high country mule deer journey. If you want to call it that, you know what I mean? It, like three years is all, is all I got under my belt for that. Um, so I look at it and I'm like, you know what? The first time I went, I, um, so, something was legitimately wrong with my bow. I found out when I got home at the shop. So uh, I missed a deer there. Then I killed a deer on the next hunt. And then the next hunt, I didn't see anything. And then this hunt, like we got stock, I got stocks like every day. So to me, I look at that and I'm like, you know what, man, I'm getting like closer and closer to like figuring these things out and like how to hunt them effectively. Um, so to me, I'm like, you know, next time, you know, that's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is like a perfect example of, uh, just a great trip right like yeah amazing country with a good buddy who you can enjoy it with plenty of uh encounters with deer like Mm -hmm. other than killing a deer man like everything was freaking great and if you can't take a trip like that and come away and love it i'm not saying you can't be disappointed at all right on missing a buck like that's not what i'm saying but if you can't come away from a trip like that and just also be partially completely stoked because you just did something awesome and experienced something great. Then I don't think like you're in the right mindset to be a bow hunter because like misses and mistakes and all that stuff, like a joke about not being perfect. Like that's just, that's honestly, it's part of bow hunting, right? Again, you're not the guy who's out there flinging arrows without practicing. And like you put in all the work to make it happen and things still happen. That's that's freaking bow hunting. Yeah, no, we were, we were sad to leave, you know, I oftentimes on these hunts, like, I love going on these grinder hunts and stuff like that. But like oftentimes at the end, like you're kind of sitting there and you're like, man, I can't wait to get to that double cheeseburger, you know, in town and stuff. And I miss my wife and I miss my kid and stuff like that. But on this hunt, 
like all that stuff was still true. Like we, we both have families and we missed our missed home life, but like both of us were like, dang it, man, I wish we could stay another couple days, you know, and we just mm-hmm. having such a good time, you know, and, and Eric, like we were already talking about, uh, you, you know, we're planning on going back next year. And, um, he's like, he was uh, joking around with me about, uh, doing Pilates because mm-hmm. he has like really bad balance so so walking on like super steep terrain like side hilling he's like i don't know how you just like <laughs> nimbly walk along the hill <laughs> and i'm like well i mean i was a roofer for 15 years so like i got really used to work walking on slants yeah <laughs> so like, so he was like yeah my wife is gonna be pretty excited because i'm gonna uh go home and be like hey you know that pilates dvd you have pop it in <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's freaking funny so yeah he did i've never done i don't i don't even know what the difference is between like pilates and yoga so if someone knows what they're talking I, about i'll sound like a complete moron but i've done i used to do especially when my uh, kids were super young it was hard to get out of the house and i, I just i guess probably before i had like a bunch of my home gym stuff anyway Mm-hmm. My wife was doing this yoga thing after having the baby and it was like terrible, right? Like the whole like DVD and like the setting and whatever, it was cheesy. And yeah. then I think she had like this, Oh, I want to get Mark to do this with me. So she bought one and it was called, uh, what was it called? Warrior yoga or something like that. I think she just was like, I'll convince Mark <laughs> to do yoga. If I get one called warrior yoga or something. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so dude, I, I did that with her a few times and then actually got to the point where I kind of liked it and it was definitely, I liked it and also hated it type thing, but yeah, dude, it is deceivingly tough and a killer workout. Like you look at people in a position, not quote unquote doing anything. They're just in a position, but until you yep. do that, it's like, Whoa, like you have no idea, dude. I'm telling you what, like, like it, I mean, some people might laugh. I literally, I don't think the article is out yet, but I just wrote an article um, should be coming out in the near future for uh, go hunt. And uh, it's like, I kind of like talk about like advanced preparation for spot and stock bow hunting. And I talk about yoga because it is deceiving. Like it, like it is difficult moving slow. Mm-hmm. Like you will His body control. Gas- yeah, exactly. And and I have an example in there about like years ago, like the first, I think it was my first year, like, um, trying to like bow hunt, you know, here in Arizona, I'm like, you know, kind of sneaking, sneaking along and there's this giant buck in this cut with like 12 does and I'm, I'm going along and I literally, I just fall over. Like I didn't, I just like, it was, it almost happened in slow motion. I just lost my balance and started falling over, fell over. The deer got up and ran out of my life. Okay. So like ever since then, like I, uh, my wife does yoga and stuff. So I started doing yoga with her and like, uh, I did hot yoga with her for a bit. And then I have like, I did a lot of, uh, I have like a martial arts type of background a bit, you know? So like started doing, doing more of that stuff. And it, I mean, you're not like, throwing weights around like like a like a meathead or anything like that right like it's not like a very manly feeling workout but it is it's difficult man and it like absolutely helps with like core control balance just like all that which spot and stock like sneaking up on something is all about i think like slow and fluid movements Mm -hmm. and like keeping your being able to keep yourself down beneath the grass line right and like not moving um erratically like that it it helps man i don't know like it's so (laughs) i just looked it up the one that i had if anybody wants to like go check it out it you can get it on amazon or apparently a bunch of people have pirated it and put it on youtube which is no surprise so you can either buy the (laughs) dvd or you can go watch on youtube but i just realized it's with bob harper who was one of the old what was that freaking show where a bunch of people lose weight uh Biggest loser. He was one of the guys who oh. did biggest loser. So if you search warrior, warrior yoga, Bob Harper, 
it'll come up both to purchase as well as to, to pirate essentially on YouTube. So if you guys want to go check that out, check it out. The other thing I'll say on that and like the whole balance aspect, if you guys don't want to do yoga, um, just a ton of single leg work is mm-hmm. really beneficial. Like if you are in the weight room or do it at home with dumbbells, but um, take like a dumbbell or some sort of weight in one arm, get it overhead and then do uh, lunges with that. And so mm-hmm. you have this weight that's off center overhead, and then you're doing lunges. It's not only going to, you know, work your legs a ton. It just works like that connection between that weight over your head and then a stable movement at the ground down and back up. Like it's working all that core structure in between to hold that. Um, Bulgarian split squats would be another great one. Single leg deadlifts with like a dumbbell or something would be another fantastic one. Um, but those single leg movements that you have to do with control, um, man, just freaking fantastic, fantastic stuff. And, you know, you don't have to go squat like with a barbell and do 400 pounds and, um, you know, a lot of guys don't have an interest in doing that or can't because of issues. You can do single leg, you know, modified squats, or like I said, single leg lunges, Bulgarian split squats, single leg deadlifts, all that stuff with pretty minimal weight, but you do it with control. Uh, it's going to improve your balance. It's going to give you a good workout in the lower body. It's going to use that core to hold that stability. Like just that stuff. I can't recommend enough for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet dude. We could, uh, chat here all day. I'm sure any, any takeaways from the hunt, whether it's, you know, something you saw in Eric and his first time, whether it's something to do with your experience, like what stands out besides what we've already covered. I mean, for me, like, obviously like the biggest thing is, um, you know, just trying to stay in my shot sequence, no matter where I am, you know, that was that, I mean, that cost me a great deer, you know, and it was, Hey, you know, it happens, you know what I mean? Not going to be the last time it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the biggest thing for me, for Eric, it was, um, it was the balance thing. It was depth perception of like how far away something actually was. Um, and, and he, in his own words, he says terrain perception, Mm -hmm. um, like, cause like I was saying before, like, Oh Yeah that thing over there looks like it's like unwalkable, but when you actually get over there, you're like, Oh wow, this is actually not that bad. Um, and that cost him some, you know, opportunities to go after deer. Um, and then, uh, um, his, uh, balance thing. Like, he's like, really like if you've ever seen a grown man crawling up a hill on all fours, uh, let me tell you, that'll that's an eye-opening experience (laughs) right because he constantly his his exact words it was funny man like his exact words were um he's like i don't know dude just like every step i take i feel like my my footing is gonna give i'm and i'm gonna be sent down the mountain to my death (laughs) (laughs) so i was like man you just you're gonna be fine dude just gotta trust trust yourself you know and um it's just, you know, it's just not just like anything. If you're not used to doing something that's going to be, it's going to feel weird. It's going to be unfamiliar and you're not going to, it's going to take a while to build trust in it. But the good news is, is that he said he's going to go back with me. So he's like, dude, before next year, I am, I'm going to be obviously working on cardio. I'm going to be working on my balance and stuff. Um, so I'm sure we'll have a great time uh, next year as well. That's awesome, man. Um, we didn't do any sort of introduction, Josh, on who you are, where people can follow you or anything like that. But, uh, as I mentioned, been on the podcast before done some great articles for us. You run dialed and Hunter also write for a ton of other places like go hunt and many others. But if guys want to, uh, check out what you're up to in the future, what do you, where do you want to send them? Yeah, man. Uh, so go uh so i'm on all the social platforms you know if you want to like get a hold of me on instagram facebook uh twitter uh just search dialed in hunter and i'll uh, i'll pop up happy to talk uh talk to anybody out there love chatting with like-minded folks 
Uh, I got my website, dialinhunter.com. And then um, I also wrote a book that you can check out on Amazon. Um, it's called Becoming a Backpack Hunter, A Beginner's Guide to Hunting the Backcountry. And that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, really stoked on it. Proud of it. Um, go check it out if that's something you're into. Yeah, cool. We'll leave links for that stuff in the show description as well. So if you guys want to check out those links, get after it. Otherwise, Josh, man, thanks for hopping on, dude. Like I said before, I wanted to hop on a phone call and chat anyway. So thanks for letting me hit record and share it with the audience as well. Dude, absolutely, man. Anytime. I'm I'm excited to hear about your your elk hunt here in a few weeks. I'm leaving in a few weeks too. I'm going to Idaho though. Uh, yeah. More stories to come. Yeah, more stories to come. Hopefully lots of heavy packs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a wrap on this one, guys. I hope you enjoyed that story. Best of luck on your upcoming hunt. Stay in touch and let us know how it goes by sending an email to podcast at exomountgear.com or entering the Exo Experience contest. Go to exomountgear.com forward slash experience or hit the link in the show description to learn more about that. We'll talk to you soon.